Good morning and a happy new year. It is so good to see you all. Um, today, I think we've got the most numbers so far since we reopened. Uh, and it's really, really good to see you. Now, uh, beginning of a year, every time when a new year comes, people would look at the old year and, 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 and then say, okay, I wish I'd done that differently, and so I'm going to look at this new year, and I'm going to have some resolutions. Um, now, why? Because we are happy that I was supposed to do, do these things in 2021. It didn't happen. It didn't work out. Uh, I hope 2022 would be the year. Some of us uh, have these repeated cycles every year, like me. My daughter will always remind me. My son would always remind me. Uh, I thought you were supposed to do that, and I said, next year. Um, and then, then next year happens again the following year. But why we keep saying that, it's a bit of a comfort to us, because for us, it's kind of like a fresh start. And that's the topic for this morning. So this month, the, t the, the theme is fresh, and I'm starting out uh, with this topic, fresh start. All right, fresh start. Um, now, it's taken from the book of Genesis, of course. I think you can see the picture there, and you will know the story immediately. Uh, we always look at these pictures, and uh, Sunday school even, uh, we talk about Noah and his ark. All right. Um, how many of you never heard of Noah? All of you have heard. That's amazing. Everybody has not, not all of you have been to Sunday school, right? I remember there, there was one Sunday school boy, first time being to Sunday school, never before, not come, never came from a Christian home, never heard of any Bible stories. He went for Sunday school and the teacher asked this question, Boy, I want to ask you a question. Who built the ark? Do you know who built the ark? And the boy, he had no clue. Do you know who built the ark? And the boy said, Noah. And the teacher said, that's right. That's right. Some of you will take some time to get that. But this was what happened. This guy, all we know of him was this. The flood came. He and his family were safe in the ark. And, and then we flipped the pages. And then we, we read about how uh, the flood covered the mountains. We flipped the pages and the ark finally came to rest on Mount Ararat as the water started to recede uh, and so on and so forth. But you know, that period from when it started to rain to when Noah and his family finally came out of the ark was about 371 days. That's a long time. 371 days. I mean, you talk about quarantine for seven days. I can't stand it. I want to get out of the house. We were under lockdown for a good number of months. And we struggled. We struggled. I struggled. I, you know, I mean, of course, we, we, we enjoyed some good stuff. We enjoyed family time. Um, you know, we enjoyed... Longer than usual, quiet times, I hope, some of us. Uh, we, we enjoyed catching up on Netflix or whatever it is. 
Um, there were some things that we enjoyed doing. We enjoyed uh, beginning to, to go to work from home instead of needing to dress up and, and go all the way. Uh, there was some good stuff that happened. But generally, people were becoming very, very uh, unsettled. They wanted to get out. They wanted to be out. They, 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 they longed to go back you know, to doing the things that they used to. But here Noah and his family were confined for 371 days. Now, that's not easy. He didn't have the internet. He couldn't be in touch with anybody else. You know, while we were in lockdown, we were on the internet most of the time. We would make phone calls. We could still call people. I could still call church members. I could still call friends. I could still call India. I could still call Kota Kinabalu. We could still do those things. But they couldn't. And not only because they didn't have phones or the internet, but because everybody else was dead. Alright? Everybody else was dead. It was only them in that ark with all them animals. Now can you imagine the stench in that place. Honestly speaking, we don't, because we, we don't think of these things sometimes because we don't read that. But it would have been quite, quite a thing to be in that confines with all those animals and all those animal things, if you know what I'm saying. But this was what happened to Noah and his family for 371 days. And then the waters receded and the ark came to rest. Now there are two short things I want to say before I go to the, the chunk of the message. I want you to know this, even as we are coming out of a season ourselves, as a church, as a people, as Malaysians, as, as citizens of the world, that God creates good even after tragedies. What happened in that account in Genesis was a tragedy. For us, it's a terrible tragedy when we read of so many millions who have lost their lives because of COVID. We, we read of the tragedy of so many people dying in the recent floods. Those are tragedies. But for the world, the entire global population to be wiped out by a flood, it's a tragedy of unseen proportions. World War I, World War II combined could not even rival this. This was a tragedy of unseen proportions. But the good news is this, that God creates good even after tragedies. And even after our failures, God offers fresh starts. I, I love that. Even after our failures. Who failed? Mankind failed God. Man became so depraved, so sinful, that God, the Bible says, regretted making man. It was that bad. That God had to wipe mankind out. 
the sins of man. And if you read the book of Genesis, if after uh, Noah had come out, God said, although he will sin again, this is what I will promise to do. The, the sinful nature was still with Adam, uh, was still with Noah and his family. The sinful nature was there. But God was willing to give man a fresh start. And I think that is amazing. So we're going to go now after that to Genesis chapter 8. Okay? You got your, you can look at the screen. I'm reading from verse 13. Noah was now 601 years old. 601. I was feeling terrible when I celebrated my 61st birthday. <laughs> On the first day of the new year, Ten and a half months after the flood began, the flood waters had almost dried up from the earth. Noah lifted back the covering of the boat and saw that the surface of the ground was drying. Two more months went by and at last the earth was dry. Then God said to Noah, Leave the boat, all of you. You and your wife and your sons and their wives. Release all the animals, the birds, the livestock and the small animals that scurry along the ground so they can be fruitful and multiply throughout the earth. Verse 18. So Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives left the boat. And all the large and small animals and birds came out of the boat pair by pair. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and there he sacrificed as burnt offerings the animals and birds that had been approved for that purpose. Now, for you, those of you who are wondering, is that the reason why some birds and animals became extinct? No, there were some animals and birds that there were more than two that Noah took into the ark for this purpose. Okay? Not everything was just two. If everything was two, it means that's the end of that animal, right? Okay, so... And the Lord was pleased with the aroma of the sacrifice. Now we move to Genesis chapter 9. Then God blessed Noah and his sons and told them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. All the animals will look on you with fear and terror. I've placed them in your power. Now be fruitful and multiply and repopulate the earth. Verse 8. Then God told Noah and his sons, I hereby confirm my covenant with you and your descendants. Verse 11, Never again will floodwaters kill all living creatures. Never again will a flood destroy the earth. Then God said, I'm giving you a sign of my covenant with you and with all living creatures for all generations to come. I've placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is the sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. Let's go to God in prayer. Okay, let's go to God in prayer. Father, we come to you. We pray that even at the beginning of this year, that we would hear the voice of your spirit. What it is that you are saying to us as a people. We incline our ear, Lord, to you. Speak, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, four points. All right, four points. Number one, God recreates. God recreates. We look at, the, at what has happened to our world for the last almost two years now. And we wonder, where is God in all of this? There are people who ask this question. Where is God in all of this? Is He really there? What is He doing? How can He allow this to happen? 
Now listen, disease, disease doesn't come from the hands of God. We are subject to a fallen world. And because they, we are in a fallen world, bad things happen. Alright? Bad things happen. Because we are in a fallen, we chose to go that way. And so bad things happen. But there is a God who is all good. Amen? There is a God who is all good. And this good, good God wants to bring about good even in the bad. And this is what God does. He recreates. He doesn't make, He doesn't just make what's bad better. He doesn't put a band-aid. He doesn't put glue. He doesn't piece us together or piece situations together. He makes things new. That's completely different. And that's what the Bible tells about us as well. As people, we are broken people because of sin. But when we come to the Lord, the Lord says, God says, I'm making you a new creation. Not, not a better people, not a restored people. I'm making you a new person. God recreates. He takes what's broken and He replaces them with something new. He doesn't take what's broken and puts them together cracks and all. He makes it new. And he does that even with the world during the time of the flood. He made everything new so that it was good again. See, when God creates, it's always good. It's always good. We can come to God with all our hang-ups. We can come to God with all our brokenness. And God takes us and he does something in our lives. The sins and all the stuff that we have ever committed is under the blood. And when God sees you, He sees a perfect record. Because the record of His Son now becomes yours. And He sees you and He says, it's good. God makes new and when He creates, He makes it good. Alright? And I think that, that, that is really such a wonderful thing to wonderful thought to hold on to number two we saw we see this god not only recreated but god calibrated all right the second thing is that god calibrates what do i mean by this god rectified the things that went wrong with the world what had gone wrong how how bad were the people that god had to do this <coughs> it was really bad People had become so depraved, the Bible tells us, that they did things that were abominable to the eyes of God. They were having sexual relationships with demons. They were into, they, they were into relationships with demons and that's how bad it became. I mean, I, we all know that man fell and man is sinful and all of that. But this is another level of sin. I know we, we, we always say that sin is all the same, but this particular thing, having these relationships with demons was so bad because from those relationships, the women began to have offspring that were not completely human. The Bible called them the Nephilim. And they were giants, they were big. And they were roaming the earth because of this abominable relationships between men uh, between uh, uh, 
women and demons. So it became so horrible that God had, had to destroy the earth. Because if the Nephilim were to overrun the earth, then the, 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 the crown of God's creation would be ruined for good. The apple of God's creation, we, who were made in the image of God. Now so mad because now they have joined with demons. So God had to destroy the earth. It became so bad, so bad. But this is what God did. By completely destroying the earth by flood, God rectified what had gone wrong. He put an end. No Nephilim survived. Nothing survived. Everything drowned. Everything died. The extreme perversions and the extreme level of depths of sin that people had gone in, they were redressed. God had taken care of that. And what God did was He preserved one family for a restart. God preserved one family for a restart. Now we look at our world today and we wonder what's happening, why, why is this happening, why is that happening, plenty of theories. We're not going to go there. But I want, to, I want you to know that God has also reserved for Himself His people for restarts. We look at the things that happened in Afghanistan when we already read about how the church is beginning to, 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 to grow at a tremendous pace in Afghanistan and all of a sudden the Taliban comes back and we ask why? We may not have all the answers but we know this that while the people were stuck in the ark for 371 days, wondering what's happening, what's happening, why? God, I have not been hearing from you now for 220 days already, 257 days, nothing is happening. It does not mean that God wasn't at work. He was doing the work of recreation. He was doing the work of recalibration. He was doing all of that. But He preserved for Himself one family for a restart. Now, we don't know what's happening. We may not know exactly what's happening in Afghanistan, but I know this. God has also reserved for Himself and preserved for Himself people for restarts. Here in Malaysia, God has preserved the church so that we can lead, we can lead Malaysia in restarts. And so God is preserving for Himself a family, a church family for restarts. Number three, we find that every new season has the offer of a second chance. Every new season. And this is what happened. God called them to come out because the ark, because the world was now dry. Vegetation was growing again. There was life again. Prior to that, only death. There was only death in the world. There would have been a stench, of course. But all that is gone now. There is life. And then there is the season of second chances. 
And every season of second chance is a season of a fresh start. And every fresh start begins with a commission. You look at the scriptures and you see that happening over and over and over again. Here, for example, fresh start. Children of Israel come out of Egypt, fresh start at Sinai. Children of Israel, after Moses, fresh start. There was a commission. All right? God gives them a commission. The disciples, three years with Jesus, seeing miracles and all kinds of stuff happen. And then Jesus says, I'm going. And before he goes, he gives them a fresh commission because there's going to be a fresh start. And this is happening. And church, let's get this, all right? Let's get this. When we talk about a fresh start, when we talk about a new year, when we talk about a new season, that not just Malaysia is stepping into, but the world as we grapple with the tail end of, of this horror called COVID-19 that has kept all of us in prison for so long, in many ways, that has taken so many lives, that has changed the, the, the makeup of so many families over the last two years, to make, that has changed the makeup of even the, 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 the financial standing of so many families over the last two years. You know, over the Christmas season, we went to a couple of malls and we couldn't help but notice how many outlets have shut down. And those outlets were bordered with stuff like something new is coming your way. And that's the usual thing they put when somebody goes out of business. Something new is coming your way. And that's to help people have a little bit of hope that this mall is surviving. But this is what, this is what has been happening over the last two years. All right, the last two years. So, what is our role in all of this? As we step back into some semblance of returning to normalcy, whether that ever happens, that ever comes, I, I, I cannot say, but there's some semblance of normalcy. Many people are trying to make sense of a season that made no sense at all. But you know what? God has been doing work behind the scenes. God has been recreating, recalibrating. He's been preparing a family for the restart. And now, this is what he's doing. He's recommissioning the church to say, hey, let's get your priorities right. People over the last two years have lost such a lot. People need hope. The church has the message of hope. The church has the message of hope. Fourthly, God recommits. It wasn't just about the family that came out of the ark to build an altar and to worship God as they are being recommissioned. What was the recommissioning? Go and multiply. Go and, and reign over the earth because the animals will be subject to you. It's the same commission that God gave to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, if you, re if you recall. God gave the same commission to, um, to Noah and his family. That was a restart. 
It was a restart. What happened in the Garden of Eden is now happening on Mount Ararat. It was a restart. But God just didn't give the commands and said, I want you to do this. God steps into the picture and God says, look, I will be faithful and I will be committed to your good. You know, God's faithfulness is new every morning. We sing those songs because it is true. It's not just something that sounds good. God had a covenant. He put the covenant up in the sky. Better than any banner, any advertisement banner. It was a rainbow. And He says, by this rainbow is my covenant, my sign to you that I am committing myself to ensuring your good. I will never destroy you or destroy the earth with a flood again. And God commits to His covenant. He's always done that. He commits to His covenant. But He needs us to come alongside and to align ourselves with Him so that what He commits to can come through in our lives. What does He commit to us? He commits three things. He commits His providence, that He will continue to provide for us. He commits to us His power, that we can operate in the power of, of the Holy Spirit as a church. He commits to us His presence, that He is with us all the way. Because that's what He told His disciples, I'll be with you till the ends of the earth, but you have got to be involved with the, with the commission that I'm giving you. Go into the world, tell people, tell people the good news, preach the gospel, baptizing nations in my name. And I will be with you till the end of the earth. We just finished Christmas. And Christmas, we remember Jesus. One of the names that he was called was Emmanuel. Emmanuel simply means God with us. We look at Jehovah in the Old Testament and we see God for us. In the Gospels, God with us. In the, in the, in the Acts, it is God in us. What an amazing resource we have. He commits to His covenant. And so this is, the, this is what happened in Genesis. There was a restart. So I'm going to just end with this. So what? What now? What can we take back from this as a church in the first Sunday of the year? I'm just going to use this acronym, START. Okay? S-T-A-R-T. So there are just five take-homes using this acronym START, okay? I borrowed this, by the way, this, this acronym thingy, yeah? And I thought it was pretty good. So this is it. Number one, stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. Proverbs 28, 13 says this, People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn away from them, they will receive mercy. I want you to know that the church is often... The church is often struggling. The church is often ineffective because we have not turned away from our sins. Sins sin doesn't mean just going to do something terrible, you know. Harboring secret sins is a sin. Loving your the things that you used to do before when you know it's wrong, that is sin. You may say, but it's not harming anybody. No, it harms you. Because you can't step into what God has called you to step into. That's holding you back. Not praying is sin. The Bible says, forbid it that I should sin against you by not praying. So we always think 
sins are the big stuff. It's the little stuff that stumbles us. And then we brush it off because that's the culture of the day. To brush off stuff, we see that everywhere, even in the political scene, but we see that in the world, isn't it? When things go wrong, they brush it off, they excuse themselves, they give all kinds of justifications why they did it or why they're weak in this or why they stumble in this area. That is part of human nature. But the church, we should understand that we stand naked and exposed before God. We we don't need to try and hide. We don't need to try and give excuses. God, under, God knows that we sin and God knows that we are weak and God knows where we are weak. What we need to do is to come before Him and, and confess and say, I'm really sorry and mean it. I'm really sorry. And then remember that, 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 that resource you have, God in you, Say, I want the Holy Spirit to take over so that I can be an overcomer. So when the church gets herself right with God, things will start to change. But first we must stop making excuses. All right? We will receive mercy and grace when we turn. Number two, take stock. Take inventory of our lives. Right? Galatians 3.4 says this, Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? We've gone through so much, church. And we've come through the other side for what? For more of the same? That should not be happening. It, things should not be the same today as it was two years ago. It shouldn't be. Before COVID hit, we say, well, this is happening, that's happening. This one can be better, that one can be better, but this is good, that is good. Okay, great. And then suddenly everything goes into lockdown. Now, we come through of that two years later, only for us to pick up from where we left off. Shouldn't be. That should not be happening. The Bible says, have you experienced so much for nothing? What have you learned in these two years as a Christian? I want to ask you, what have you learned? What lessons have you learned? What changes have you put in place in your own life so that you won't be the same as you were two years ago? We didn't go through a time warp, okay? That suddenly we come back, oh, it was like two years ago. No. What we went through was a cleansing. Listen carefully. And what we went through was a cleansing. What the world went through in Genesis was a cleansing. So what have we learned? What have you learned? What has the church learned? To take inventory... What is of value to your life today, which wasn't two years ago? Your families, you spent more time with them this time than ever before. And what happened? Didn't you become closer? 
didn't you suddenly realize the value of speaking into the lives of one another in your home? Didn't you learn the value of opening up to one another at home? Parents, instead of sending them off to some tuition, you couldn't do that for two years. Or palming them off to a maid to take care of them while you go off to work. You couldn't do that for two years. You were finally, you were finally forced to spend time with your kids. And your kids got to know you that much better over two years. Can you see how God was doing a recalibration even for Christians in the church over two years? Because Christians have become, we have become so caught up with the culture of the world, chasing after promotions, chasing after this, chasing after that, leaving our kids, neglecting our primary ministry to our families. And now we come through two years later, Cannot wait to go back to work. Cannot wait for things to go back to normal. Listen. God has done a recalibration. Take, a, take stock now. Take an inventory. What is important to you? What is critically important to you today that is different from what it was two years ago? Something has to change. Take stock. Take inventory. Who are the people that God brought into your life during this time? Why did God bring them into your life? What is your role in the alliance? Who are the people that God brought for you to be able to go to, to ask them to pray for you or to counsel you or to guide you? These are things that happen over two years. Take good inventory because you have not come so far to only come so far. Have you experienced so much for nothing? Don't come so far to only come so far and say, okay, I've only come so far, now things are going back to normal, I'm going back. That would be the worst mistake we ever do as God's people. All right? Next, this is the third one, act in faith. That's A, yeah? Now, I always love this story. And I love this picture when I came across the picture that this is it. All right? Matthew 9, 20 to 21, And then a woman who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding came up behind him and touched the fringe of his robe, for she thought, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Why I like this picture is because unlike the other pictures of this particular story of the woman who had an issue of blood, who was bleeding for 12 years, all the other pictures show this woman touching the hem of the garment. It was so obviously it was that woman who was touching it. That made it very easy. For, and the Lord needn't even have asked, who touched me? But this picture... There was such a crowd of people that one hand came from somewhere just to touch the hem of his robe. I love this. Because her face is not even seen. Nobody even realized that she was doing this thing. And you know what happened. Of course, the Lord stopped, asked who touched, although he knew. And this woman came and the Lord healed her completely. But the question is this, the thing is this. The scripture says this, okay? Act in faith. James 2, 14. What 
good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Now, we believe that God is at work. We believe that God, God is working even when we don't see it. We sang about it today also. <coughs> we believe all these things. The question is this. So, what are you going to do about it? It's one thing to say, I have faith in God. I believe that God would take care of my needs. And then you become so worried about your job, you become so worried about needing to get the promotion because that extra 600 ringgit or an extra 400 ringgit a month makes a lot of difference. And, 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 and then you say, uh, okay, because of this, maybe the next five months, I got no time to go to church. I, I need to do other things. Maybe I cannot be so active now because I just need to get, once I secure this, I'm, listen, show me your, your actions, James says. And then I can see your faith. To just say I have faith, but it doesn't come out in your actions. In the way you, you live your life, it only shows that you don't have that faith, although you say you do. This woman knew that Jesus could heal her. She saw that it was so easy for her to say, ah, oh, so many people, I better leave. Uh, or oh, if not, people might recognize me. If they recognize me, then you know, they may get angry that I've come to the crowd because I'm considered, uh, in, the Jewish, in, in the Jewish culture, I'm considered unclean. I shouldn't be there. Um, I know Jesus can heal, but look, there are too many people and he's busy. And on, on top of that, he's on the way uh, because somebody's daughter was dying. So I better not catch out him. It's easy for her to say that. But no, her faith in who Jesus was pushed her to act, even in that small way, through the, the legs of people, just to touch, just, just touch is good enough. I know that it will, God can heal me, that Jesus can heal I just need to touch. I don't even need him to talk to me or lay hands on me. I just need to touch. Faith. So if you know who God is, the God who has been at work throughout the last two years, the God who has been at work when the world was going through an entire pattern of madness. But the God who is sovereign, we sang about that today. The God who is on the throne, the God who is in control of everything, although it looks like everything is out of control. That same God, if you have faith in that same God, then you will act on it. So act in faith. Refocus. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. After two years, as you, as you do your own taking stock of your own life, an inventory of your life, what are the things that have slowed you down spiritually? What are the things that have held you back? Is it an experience of the past? Is it a relationship that went sour and so you just cannot find it in yourself, in your heart, to come to church, to, 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 to trust anybody else so that you can serve? Is it something in your past? What has slowed you down? Is it a habit you cannot give up? 
Is it because you prayed about something and God did not give that to you? You prayed for someone and that someone passed away instead. And you kind of blame God for that. Listen, I said that we are all subject to a fallen world. Bad things happen in a fallen world. Yes, people lost their lives three, two weeks ago in the flood. Some of us had damage to our own homes and to our own cars. It happened. In Ambang Botanic, cars were floating. Cars were floating. Cars, not boats, cars. Yes, it happened. Is God to be blamed? No. We are subject to a fallen world. We need to refocus on God, on who He really is. The good God. A faithful God. A loving God. A gracious God. A merciful God. And may I say a God God. Sovereign. Refocus. And refocus on what you need to do. Refocus on what you need to do. And the final one, trust God. Trust God even in difficult times. Trust God. Zechariah tells us this in the fourth chapter, sixth verse. He says, And he said to me, This is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel It's not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, said the Lord, says the Lord of heaven's armies. God is offering us the power of His Holy Spirit so that we can live extraordinary lives in, this, in these extraordinary times. Every resource you need, He has. But you've got to trust Him. As God does the work of recreating and recalibrating and all of that, we need to come into alignment with Him and say, Lord, in this new season, this fresh start, I want that fresh start with You. I want to be different today than I was two years ago. I want to be ready to minister to my family. I want to be ready to minister to my colleagues. I want to be ready to minister to my friends, my classmates. I want to be ready to serve you. I want to be ready to be a conduit of good news and hope to people around me. If we can come to that stage, then it only means that we have not gone through all that for nothing. That's the call for us when we talk about a fresh start, that we didn't go through all of that for nothing. This fresh start. Let's make it happen. Let's stand up together. I want you to bow your heads. If you are at home, you can stand up where you are. Bow your heads before God. Don't think I'm before a television set. You're not before a TV set or a computer. God is in that room with you.
What do you need to give up? What do you need to give up? How has the two years changed you? What do you need to give up? What do you need to prioritize? What do you need to hold on to? How are you going to make this new season and this new start count? <laughs>